Welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. I'm your host, Chad Rosecca. Our guest for this episode is Robin Meyer, Vice President of Solutions at Transportation Insight, a top 10 North American logistics company. At Transportation Insight, Robin leads a team through a range of logistics services, helps companies get their products from port to porch as quickly and affordable as possible. Robin's work at TI includes a stint managing the Parcel Solutions Group. That's an area that's top of mind for our listeners and one we'd like to dig into a little bit more today. So Robin, welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment. Well, thank you, Chad, for having me and thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you. Maybe to start, you could just highlight or quickly summarize your background and how you just ended up at Transportation Insight a bit, if you don't mind. I'm actually an international trade compliance certified e-commerce specialist. So I manage the solutions team at Transportation Insight. If someone's not familiar with TI, that's what we short call ourselves. We are a multimodal logistics provider. So up until the beginning of 2023, I was primarily focused on the parcel side of our business through the solutions aspect. So I worked with our consulting team to help shippers really identify opportunities for optimization within their agreements, their networks, their distribution models, as well as their packaging. And then we also worked on audit and business intelligence that included carrier information as well as profitability by SKU and true landed costs. With 2023 involvement, we've taken our entire solution and made it multimodal. And so I now have the solutions team on the freight side in my team as well. And so we're looking at everything multimodally now. So whether it be the packages that you leverage to ship out your goods or the carriers that you're using to get them there, we're going to help you with that. Oh, fantastic. This sets up for a good conversation. I heard you speak at a conference recently about how parcel shippers can leverage data to drive down the cost, but you put a spin on it. You said, I think it was without the need for data scientists. I'm just curious, do you think that's a commonly held perception among shippers that they feel like that's actually possible? I do. It's funny because when you talk to parcel shippers, and I've been doing that for eight years at Transportation Insight. And prior to that, I worked at a company called Iron Mountain for 13 years and worked with a lot of the Fortune 500 on risk mitigation strategies and those types of things. And so when you talk to shippers in the markets, the larger shippers typically have a really large team of individuals at their resource. And so they've got typically a technology individual, supply chain analytics individual, data scientists or analysts, as well as transportation focused individuals. When you get into smaller shippers, and when I say smaller, I'm talking about 30 million or below, right? You get into those smaller shippers, they're wearing a lot of hats. And so that one or two or three individuals on a team is typically doing everything that in a large shipper, you know, would have multiple people doing. And so they're focused on 
what am I shipping? Where am I shipping it to? How could I do that better and more cost effective? But they don't have a lot of resources to sit down and one, get a handle on their data, two, dig into that data, and then three, identify where there's opportunities. And so one of the things that Transportation Insight works really close with our shipper clients to do is provide them business intelligence and data analytics that don't require a data scientist. We make it to where you're able to quickly make decisions and look at trends and details that really provide you the analytics to make those decisions and be more cost effective and more focused on what's costing you money and what's driving customer experience. So small shippers have that. And because shipping costs are really the largest chunk of a fulfillment budget, you really have to be able to focus on where are their opportunities within those costs and with those carriers that figuring that out takes precious time and then to continue to management's even more time. So how do you do all that with just a small team? Who do you find who's the end user like on the transportation insight platform? So is it the executives or are they middle management? Is it somebody on the floor? Who do you typically find? to benefit? It's all over the board, Chad. It can be anyone from finance looking at estimated costs and cost accrual, right? To it can be your transportation managers, directors trying to identify if they're making the right decisions on how they're shipping those packages, all the way to e-commerce and market specialists understanding how the SKUs they're buying or they're selling, right, are impacting their cost to serve. So I'll give you a real life scenario. We have a shipper, they're about $25 million shipper. So large in the SMB category, right? But they have, with our tools, they have someone from finance that looks at how do they allocate costs to the order? They're also looking at what their costs are per week. Even before they're getting their parcel invoices, they're able to determine what have they paid out or what will they be paying out to the parcel carrier. They have a marketing individual that looks at where are their areas within the country that I'm going to want to focus marketing because either my shipments there aren't profitable and I want to drive that profitability up by having more shipments in that market or my market's really profitable. So how do I sell more goods there, right? And then finally, we have people that are from the supply chain team that are looking at how are those SKUs impacting my accessorials, my rates? I mean, you can't move a customer. I think I said this in the presentation that you saw, right? You can't move your customer. That would be great if you could, but you can't. And so some of these charges that the carriers are aligning to their invoices now with zonal additional handling and DAS charges and all of these things that are based on remote delivery, how do we make those more profitable and how do we drive user experience, right? And so one really quick one, I can give you a quick synopsis. We were on a call with a prospect and I went online before the call to look at how they were shipping, right? And so I went on their e-commerce site and I pulled up a couple of products and I looked at how to order product and how they would ship it. And then it said, if you want to pick it up, here are the partners that we leverage to sell our goods. 
And so it said, put in your zip code. And so I put my zip code in and it gave me like five different partners to use. And so when I got on a call with the prospect, I said, how do you make the decision which of those partners you refer me to when I do that? And they said, well, it's all geographic. We just give you the ones in a 25 mile per radius. And I said, well, what if you could do that from profitability? What if you could say these providers are more profitable? So list the top three profitable providers first in that 25 mile radius, right? And then you could just say, push the drive customer behavior. So if you're driving customer behavior, then it makes it more advantageous for you. And that didn't require a data scientist. It was really just identifying where are your profitability metrics and which of your providers are better fit for your client, right? By simply just scripting the best economic solution. Yeah. This kind of leads to a question around the smaller brands. So a lot of times, I think the small brands don't feel like there's much they can do, right? Maybe they don't have all those resources. Maybe they're not even educated about transportation inside or companies like yourself or specifically yourself who can help enable some of those savings. How do they negotiate better rates with parcel carriers? What are some of the things you think that the small brands are just overlooking that they could be doing that they're just maybe not aware of today? Yeah, so, you know, relation between shipping volumes and discounts, right? There's also an advantage to being small in the market that we're in today. So if any shipper has listened to UPS or FedEx earnings call of late for say the last 12 months, they've heard that both carriers have said out loud, we are focused on small, medium business. We want to build our small, medium business category because they see that just like what you just said, small shippers are typically more profitable because they don't have these huge advantageous discounts that big shippers have. But the good news for small shippers is that the carriers are getting much more competitive in that small shipper environment. And so you can not only leverage UPS and FedEx as a small shipper, right? And look at who's giving you the best discounts and the best rates, but you also have the opportunity for diversification with the regional carriers. A few years back, the alternative or regional carriers, say like an OnTrack or a laser ship or a VHO even were focused on if I could go and get 500 packages from a single distribution site, I'll pick those up. But because of COVID, that's grown substantially. And now they're more of a model like a UPS FedEx where they'll go and pick up less than 100 packages from a distribution center and deliver it within that radius. And then you've even got alternative carriers now that are locally set and regionalized. And so they're going to pick up and say a Jacksonville and delivering in a 20 mile radius of Jacksonville. So there's a lot more opportunities for small shippers to look at other carriers as well as leveraging UPS and FedEx in a competitive market that exists today. Do you generally find, Robin, that the carrier diversification is a better strategy for a small to medium-sized business versus a single carrier strategy? 
It really depends on what they ship, honestly. So UPS and FedEx are saying we want to focus on SMB. They love commercial shippers, obviously, because they hit better density with a commercial shipment than they do typically residential. While a lot of the regional carriers like residential deliveries because that's kind of the platform they were built on. Now there are more and more hybrids coming out. So there's a lot of opportunities there for small, medium and large shippers. And so that's where, when I presented at that show that you talked about, you know, I talked about how tapping into your data really allowed you to have visibility into what the opportunities are with the carriers. And understanding that data makes it really easy to see where's my opportunity sit as a shipper versus where the carrier network aligns with me, right? And so that's where it used to be. You'd need a data scientist to be able to do that math or look at the coverage maps and see that. And now with the visibility you get from historical data, it gives you that access without having to have all these people on your team to do it. I think one area that you and I also share in common is your view on just e-commerce packaging. That is probably one of the easiest ways to cut down on parcel cost. Do you think brands understand that? I know they get it, but do you think they really get it? And are they using from your understanding any kind of data behind changing out packaging design? I think that shippers understand that carriers don't like ugly freight. Definitely. Do they understand it to a point where they can make changes or decisions based on those parameters? I think they have to have a resource like a Transportation Insight or an organization similar to TI, right, that can give them that historical data view. Because when you look at the carriers Mm -hmm. just in 2022 with what they announced for 2023 rate increases, the customers that were significantly impacted were the ones shipping to very remote areas with ugly packages. And when I say ugly, big, heavy, whatever that may be, the general rate increases that the carriers rolled out for 2023, although they said it was 6.1, right? They actually, if you're a heavy or a large package shipper with the remote customer base, it's impacting you significantly more than that. It could be in the double digits. I mean, we see clients that they're paying 10 to 20% more, no joke, based on where their customers sit, based on the packages that they're shipping. And so understanding, am I shipping air? How am I consolidating my SKUs? All of those things are going to make a huge impact to understanding your cost to serve. Do you have a view on like box versus poly bags. I find sometimes we have large brands that ship heavy volume and we like it because it's in a fulfillment environment. It's easier to handle. It goes into a gala or it's it's an easier fulfillment. But sometimes the downside is at least a box, it's fixed, right? On the dimensions, the poly bags, sometimes 
picks up different. Yeah, they can yeah. they can stretch and move around a lot. Yeah, so that's where just saying okay, a poly bag's better than a box, or a box is better than a poly bag. It's really going to depend on how the client has structured their agreement with the shipper, right? Because it's that minimum that's going to get impacted by that. I have seen analysis where customers have leveraged. 30 different box sizes and for a fulfillment provider, that can be super difficult, right? Because you're having to go, okay, it's this skew, it's got to go in this box. I got to walk and get this box, those types of things. So are the boxes making that much of a difference is really the study that needs to be done. Do you really need 30 boxes for your SKUs or could you wrap it down into five to 10 boxes and a poly bag? Are there opportunities for improvement there? I think that's a, well, not a big miss, but it's a miss that a lot of clients don't really focus on. And I'll tell you why. I think a lot, Chad, and you tell me if you agree. I think a lot of what happens is customers start selling a product, right? Shippers start selling a product and they're like, okay, let's get out in the market. And then as they add more and more products, it's kind of like how when they started shipping to Canada, let's just turn it on, right? We'll just turn it on. We'll take advantage of the boom in e-com and we're just going to start shipping products. And they've not really analyzed how those specific products are impacting their surcharges, their fees, their accessorial impacts, all of those things. Oh, I agree. They just wanted to get to market and launch. And then they realized, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they realized, oh my gosh, what did I do? Yeah. Same with Canada. When COVID hit, so many customers started Canada strategy, right? We got to ship to Canada because everybody needs everything, right? And they just turned it on, not looking at how's de minimis impacted, how are duties and taxes impacted, what carriers are good in Canada. It's an entirely different environment. And so a lot of times it's managing to that expectation and trying to make sure that they're making the right decisions as shippers. Or I think brands think the unboxing experience is so important that they unknowingly end up spending a lot of money on corrugate or box type that could have been much cheaper have they just used a different type of box or reinforcement or the bag or something, but they wanted the unboxing experience that probably cost them twice as much as they probably should have paid to begin with or not addressing the minimum charge. Yeah. And on top of that, I have one client that they were super focused on. They had this really special box with this really fantastic brand on it. And we started doing analysis and their shipments from a stolen shipment perspective was about 24% higher than any other customer in that geographic area. And it was because the minute that box got sat down on a porch with that lovely brand on it, somebody knew immediately, this is a high-end product. I'm going to steal this, right? And so it was great that they wanted that amazing delivery, but it also was causing them significant problems. So we actually worked with them to get a standard brown corrugate and then inside make it more of a customer-friendly experience to open the package. Their fraud went down by double digits. It was crazy just in making that one change, but they were advertising to every porch pirate in Manhattan that this was an amazing good in this box, right? <laughs> so, so you've got to look at it from both views. 
Yeah, totally. I get that a lot. I hear a lot of the brands that want to really, really make that unboxing experience enjoyable, but it's not the outside of the box. It's the inside of the box. So yeah. And on top of that, I have another story about that too. We have another customer, they tag all their boxes and they have a very high level of customer refusal because they're a subscription service. And so what happens is it automatically renews and they get monthly deliveries. And a customer will see the driver walking down with the box and go, oh, I don't need that. I still have a whole month's worth of supply. And they'll go, no, no, we don't want that. Turn around. And they have this huge refusal. And so we're now doing an analysis for them. Like if we stop saying who it is on the box, will that actually lower your refusal rate with clients? And on top of that, we're working with them to help change their app so that it doesn't automatically do that. But those are some of the situations that when people think about or shippers think about, I want this amazing experience from a customer seeing my label, how that's impacting it across the board. This episode is sponsored by Amware Fulfillment. Amware is a third-party fulfillment company that provides pick, pack, and ship services to established direct-to-consumer brands. With fulfillment centers in every region of the U.S., Amware supports one- to two-day ground delivery to 95% of the country. In short, Amware takes care of everything after the click. Learn more at amwarefulfillment.com. Interesting, yeah, on the refusal part. If you're a listener right now, like an e-tailer client, what types of mistakes in the area of parcel do you think exist still out there? What kind of story or advice would you share? Like, don't do these things. Yeah, I would say the other thing, the big thing that customers look at or shippers need to look at is carrier performance, right? And understanding how are the carriers performing across the board? One of the big challenges we see is a lot of customers take the carrier's word for when that package was delivered and what their performance or on-time performance is. When you take a carrier's on-time performance and you look at it with a magnifying glass or a microscope, right? You typically see that there's a lot of exceptions that impact that customer performance. And we all know as an e-commerce customer, as well as shippers, that if there's a bad customer experience, a lot of customers don't come back, right? And so where fulfillment really matters is how quickly are they getting that box? Are they getting it when they expect to get it? And what was the overall experience for the customer? So even if you have a five-day SLA and day zero is the day you receive the order, how well are the carriers performing to that? And are there areas of the country where you could work with your carrier to identify challenges, right? For instance, this hub in this city is like a black hole for my boxes. When they go there, I'm always two or three days late, right? Or this fulfillment, this DC that's fulfilling for me or this fulfillment partner isn't meeting my day SLA. There's all of these pieces. And so identifying the customer experience, not based on carrier performance, but based on real time is a really significant difference. And that's how you need to look at it as a shipper is understanding what truly did the customer feel. I think that's one. 
That's definitely one. I would say the other is the Canadian thing we talked about. Turning on Canada or international shipping, leveraging fulfillment partners in Canada or free trade areas or domestic, just shipping into Canada, understanding the actual duties and taxes and de minimis credits and all of that that you could be missing out on. Yep. That's all significant savings that, you know, not to mention if you've got the wrong harmonized tariff codes or you've got the wrong information, you could be putting yourself at risk too. So I think that's a significant thing as well. So you've got a lot of expertise in the trade compliance, obviously for e-commerce. Do you advise prospects or clients on obviously specifically shipping cross-border, but is there a not a checklist, but how do you prepare customers to, who want to go into cross-border? The first thing we do is we identify what SKUs they're going to be selling over there. We identify if they've got the right information for their requirements from a duties and tax perspective. Customs and Border, if they identify that you're an offender, they're going to stay on you forever. So we want to make sure that that first notice doesn't go out. And then really identifying the products that are coming into the country, are they already assigned for sold goods? Because if they are, then the de minimis credit that you've got, you're missing out on. So I'll give you a real life scenario. We had a client that was going overseas and buying goods from Spain and Italy, and they were bringing those goods back into the U.S. and then shipping them to customers within the U.S. even, right? And those goods were sold before they ever arrived in the United States, but they were not taking advantage of that de minimis ability. And so they were missing out on and they were paying taxes on all of those goods. And so identifying that was significant. The other thing is with Canada that's super important is because it's so remote, right? And the carriers are doing a lot of pass-through and delivery, understanding how your goods are packaged and what your damages are is super important too, right? Because if a customer is getting damaged goods, or let's say you're selling liquid of some kind and the product arrives on the customer's doorstep and it's all spilt or ruined, you're not going to have a good experience in Canada because it's a different process, a different network. And so identifying where there's areas of concern in the U.S. and in Canada or international as well, making sure that the packaging is good and the deliveries are going to be met with that is important too. And so that visibility into what packages are damaged when they arrive, what packages aren't, all of that can really lend itself to being a good shipper. I find, Robin, there's a lot of customers that they're starting to become more educated domestically. Maybe they got some good domestic rates. Maybe they're using some regional carriers or hybrid and they start growing and they want to take the next step into international. And so normally the first place is Canada and then they don't know what to do because the domestic rates aren't any good. They don't want to use their whomever it is, FedEx or UPS. They may not like DHL. And so they're stuck and there's a demand. So how do they get started? Where would you advise a customer who's at that growth step or stage who wants to ship cross-border into Canada, but not necessarily on their current domestic rates? How would you help that prospect get going? 
So there are a lot of providers, and not just Transportation Insight, but a lot of providers that will help you understand the Canadian and international market. My biggest recommendation would be to leverage a resource on what carriers do things well in those markets, because it's a lot different than a domestic shipper or carrier would do. Even from a zonal perspective, it's hard to really understand agreements. It's hard to understand the services that they're providing, those types of things. So having a partner that can really help you identify that. The other thing that is Growing in the United States that's just starting to get legs in, say, the UK are your UPS pickup points, your shipping points like that. A lot of retailers are now offering you can pick up your prescription and also get your UPS package right here in the domestic US. That's growing internationally as well. But there are ramifications to that. Because, for instance, you go on and there's the UPS My Way, right, where you can go in and you can change where you want your delivery to occur. Do you want it to be delivered to a pickup point? Well, what customers don't understand when they do that is that if the carrier has a specific contract with that shipper, every time they change where that pickup's going to happen, the shipper gets charged a fee for that. Right. And so understanding how that's going to impact you as a shipper, giving customers those options and weighing if that's important or not to your stability, that's huge. And so it's different in the international space. It's different in Canada. It's different in the US. So understanding all of that's important. Yeah. It's like a blank check, ultimately. It is. Well, it's kind of like customers that say, we're going to have a different account number with UPS or FedEx for every office or every store we have. And I typically say to them, okay, that's like a credit card. So, you know, you've got 1,200 stores, right? Or 400 stores, you're giving out 400 credit cards for whomever to use your shipping. And if they're doing third party, you don't have visibility unless you have a partner that's giving you visibility through the technology. You don't have visibility of those shipments until they're delivered and invoiced to you. You said service point pickups. Do you think these lockers are taken off? Forget how it's branded, but DHL, for an example, uses them, uh, the delivery to the lockers. The lockers are taking off. We're even seeing a bigger growth, and you've probably seen this, Chad, where neighborhoods are now having a central delivery point, even the postal carriers not going door to door anymore. So there's a lot of that focus on how do we drill in and have single delivery points. And the carriers love it, right? Because the density per delivery is huge. And that's where a lot of customers also are using these pickup points and they're not asking for discounts from the carriers. They're saying just deliver it where they should be saying the carrier, your package density has grown from one where you deliver to me 1.2 or whatever to 8.5. I need a discount because you're not having to go into Robin Myers neighborhood and deliver this package. You're just delivering 12 of them and dropping them off. And that's where boxes make a difference too, right? If you're putting everything in a huge box and getting hit with dim, you may be better off doing two small boxes and having a better delivery density. It might be more beneficial for you. Yeah. I'm seeing a new trend starting to take root in some of the residential neighborhoods where instead of the carriers delivering door to door and having the pirate theft, like you'd mentioned earlier, delivering to the clubhouse, the community clubhouse, it's one stop for the carrier. But the residents are liking it because 
it's not being left on the front porch or out in the rain. And there's a little bit more security attached to it, or if they're traveling or out of town, which I find is unique. It's a win-win, but a lot of communities are starting to sign up for that. Most definitely. It's definitely something that's changing. Yeah. Excellent. Robin, I really sincerely appreciate it. I'd love to have you come back on. We can maybe talk some regionals and get more in depth with the services that Transportation Insight offers, but where can people go to find out more about yourself or Transportation Insight? You can definitely go to transportationinsight.com and get some additional information. You can also find me on LinkedIn for sure. And then we can help with any of the solutions that we've talked about today. And I'd love to come back on, Chad, and talk a little bit more about carrier diversification. Yeah. We kind of got off on another tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Per usual, Chad, per usual. Yeah. Thank you very much, Robin. And thanks for all the listeners joining today. This concludes our episode here at Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. Take care. Thank you, everyone.